Nobody wants to spend money that they don't have to spend. And it's basically impossible to start a business without spending any money. There are also more and more things, tools, services available to spend money on that promise to help you build your business. So it's also becoming harder and harder to figure out what is worth spending my money on, especially if I'm just starting out, and what should I wait to invest in until I'm more established. I've seen mistakes on both ends of the spectrum. Some yoga teachers invest a ton in technology and platforms before they're really ready, and they end up with a business that loses money and no plan to turn that around. Other yoga teachers are so afraid of spending money in the wrong place that they hold themselves back from making progress because they're trying to do everything for free. You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Most yoga teachers do need to invest some money in their teaching business, even if they're just trying to break even. Most activities have some kind of investment. For example, if you want a mountain bike, you need to purchase a bike. If you want to flip furniture, you need to buy furniture and paint and supplies. If you want to teach yoga, you got to take a yoga teacher training And if you want to run your own classes, then you need to invest in technology or pay rent, et cetera, et cetera. So we know we're going to need to invest some money in starting a yoga business, and we don't want to waste money. We want to make sure the money we invest has a return. In this episode, I'm going to go over the different things I believe you should spend money on in your business, even when you're just starting out, things to wait on and how to know when you're ready to invest in those later steps. Before I dive into specifics, I want to talk in general about free services versus paid services, specifically online in the online tech space. What I've learned is it often does not pay to go with a free plan over the long run. A business that's offering something for free still has to make money. So they are very motivated to make being on their free plan uncomfortable. The free plan is designed to get you in the door, get you hooked, and then they want to transition you over into the paid plan because otherwise (laughs) they're not making a profit and they're going to go out of business. So most of the time, free plans have limitations that will get in your way. And you're less likely, once you've signed up for a free plan, you're less likely to switch over to a paid plan with a different service that's a better deal because there's more work in switching over for the most part. But a lot of times, services that offer a free plan, they are paying for that free plan by charging more for the paid version. So over the long run, you're actually often going to save money by choosing the service that does not have a free option, maybe just a free trial, but not a fully free version that you can use as much as as long as you want. 
The moral of the story is that when you are comparing different options, don't automatically choose the service with a free option unless you are extremely confident that that free version is going to meet your needs over the long term. One example for, of this is the project management software Asana. I have used the free version of Asana for the last five years. I have no idea how they can make such an amazing, robust piece of software free, but I'm here for it. So instead of automatically going for whoever's offering something for free, make sure that you compare the lowest cost paid plan from each service to get a more accurate apples to apples picture of the value for your money over the long run. Okay, now we can dive into specifics. When you are starting a business, the very first decision to make is what kind of entity structure to use for your business. Now, a lot of yoga teachers and passion-based entrepreneurs skip this step. I certainly did. If you don't make a decision and take action to register your business as a separate entity, then you are by default a sole proprietor. And before I go any further, quick reminder, I'm not a lawyer or an accountant. The information I provide to yoga teachers about business structures and financial considerations are general educational content. It's a good idea to have a lawyer and an accountant on your team that you can ask questions about your specific circumstances. So when it comes to entity formation, my advice is going to depend on whether or not you plan to teach full-time, ever. If you know that teaching yoga is a hobby and a side hustle and will never be more than that, where you're basically trying to break even, maybe make a little pocket money, but this is not a legit business, then stay as a sole proprietor. But if you aspire to teach full-time, even in the future, then look into registering as an LLC, that's a limited liability corporation with your state, and at the same time apply for an EIN or employee identification number. This is like the equivalent of a social security number for your business. Another caveat, I live in the United States, so if you live outside the US, again, you will want to consult with a accountant or lawyer in your area, your country, to help you understand how these concepts translate over. In the US, most yoga teachers will either be classified as a sole proprietor, again, that means you're doing business under your own social security number, or an LLC. And there's some very good reasons to register as an LLC. It provides some protection for your personal assets. It allows you to have a business bank account under your LLC name. Your EIN number will provide some protection for your personal information, like your social security number. So you won't be having to provide your social security number in certain contexts where you can use your EIN number instead. More importantly, an entity such as an LLC or really any corporate structure, C-Corp, S-Corp, we won't go into those at all, provides clarity around your business assets versus personal assets. As an LLC, you are gonna be taxed exactly the same as a sole proprietor. The only thing is you have to submit an annual report to the state each year with a report fee. And depending on the state you live in, I think it's about 200 a year for me in North Carolina to file as an LLC. You can make this pretty easy by signing up with an online service that'll file for you and will help you generate your annual report each year. Or if you have a relationship with an accountant, an accountant can also prepare and file your annual report. Because an LLC 
is going to cost you a little bit of money and add some complexity to your taxes, I know it can be a hard sell to convince yoga teachers it's worthwhile. But if you have personal assets, if you own a home, if you aspire to own a home, if you aspire to grow your business, then it's really smart to create the separation from the get-go. So an LLC or any corporate structure is called an entity, and it basically, we can think of it as a container. It's a container that holds your business assets, whereas you are a person and you hold your own personal assets and we keep them separate. This clarity around you as a business owner versus you as a private person might not seem so important when you're just starting out, but the bigger you get, the more complicated your business gets, the more important it is. So why do I recommend doing this from the beginning? Well, the main thing is that it's a pain in the butt to switch over, and the more complicated your business is, the bigger a pain in the butt it will be. For example, if you opened up a business account under your social security number, and then you registered as an LLC, you would have to close that first account and open a new account under your LLC. So it's just easier to create the LLC first, then you create one bank account and you can keep that bank account basically forever, hopefully. Bank accounts, at least in the US, business bank accounts usually don't cost anything. So I do recommend that you open one right away. And these two things together, a business entity plus a separate business bank account are gonna go a long way towards creating this separation between personal assets and business assets that the IRS really likes to see and also makes things way easier and simpler at tax time. The next thing I recommend investing in right away is accounting software. Ew, boring, I know. It's one of those things you'll be really glad you had. Again, when tax time comes around, you want that to be easy, you want that to be smooth, you want that to be no big deal. The other thing is they don't cost much. I currently pay about $13 a month for my accounting software. This is another place where I recommend you go ahead and skip into the paid version. I don't know of any free accounting software that is as reliable and useful as the paid services. And again, just $13 a month. It's very affordable and very worth it. If you're not making much money yet, you might be really tempted to skip this piece and just use a spreadsheet. But the reason I recommend starting with accounting software right from the get-go is there is a little bit of a learning curve and it's gonna be much easier and less daunting to learn while your finances are really simple. Make reconciling your business transactions a weekly or monthly habit and you'll build your financial literacy and financial confidence a little bit at a time. If you are running and marketing your own classes or programs or retreats, Another essential tool is an email marketing platform. Your email marketing platform allows you to send emails to all your students and potential students without violating anti-spam laws. And it also helps you keep your email list organized and up to date. Full disclosure, it's a bit more complicated than simply sending a blind carbon copy email from Gmail. I'll try to break it down as simply and quickly as possible, but I do have an entire episode devoted to the topic that I'll link to in the show notes, and you might want to go listen to that one if what I'm about to describe is new to you. In order to follow email best practices, which give your emails the best chance of being delivered to their intended recipients, you actually need to invest in three different things, but they're all pretty inexpensive. You need a custom domain, an email service provider or ESP, and an email marketing platform. 
Let's break it down so you understand how each of them work together. A domain is the address where eventually your website will live, but you don't need to have a website in order to register a domain. You can get the address first. Domains cost between $12 and $20 a year usually, so about $2 a month. Super reasonable. A custom domain lets you have a professional email address like your name at yourdomain.com or mado at teachingyoga.net, but you will need to connect it to a ESP or email service provider like G Suite, which is the professional version of Gmail. This will cost five to seven dollars a month, but sometimes is included in your web hosting. So if you do already have a website, check into that and make sure that you don't already have that service available before spending money on a separate service. An ESP allows you to receive emails to this custom email address, you at yourdomain.com, and it lets you send emails to individuals or to small groups for non-marketing purposes. When you send an email blast with the goal of marketing your business, even if it's to current clients, even to let them know, hey, I have this new workshop coming up, you need to use an email marketing platform like MailChimp or ConvertKit. The better email marketing platforms require that you have that custom domain and email address. Some do not, but the ones that require this are doing it because it protects their sender reputation. It means that they're being proactive to make sure that your emails end up where they're intended, i.e. in an inbox instead of a spam folder. Did you know that the email marketing platform you choose is going to affect your deliverability rates? I'll link to some data on this in the show notes in case you're interested in seeing which email marketing platforms have the best deliverability rates. If you feel resistant to going to the trouble of registering a domain and getting a professional email account, consider how important it is for your emails to arrive to the people who signed up to receive them. That's the whole purpose of having this email marketing platform. So I think it is worth taking the extra couple of steps, registering a domain, getting that professional email service provider, and improving your deliverability. Many email marketing platforms do have free plans, but as I mentioned earlier in the episode, Compare any platforms that you're considering based on their lowest price paid plan instead of their free plan. At first, it might feel like, oh, I'm never going to outgrow the free plan. I will never get to 1,000 or 2,000 subscribers. Well, first of all, you probably will get there. I hope you do. But also, some free plans have features missing. In fact, most of them do. Some of them won't let you schedule emails ahead of time or send out sequences of emails. So even if you don't outgrow the number of subscribers, you'll probably end up wanting features that are only on the paid plan. With that in mind, even if you do choose the free plan, make sure that you're choosing the free plan with a service provider that has a paid plan that has the features and the pricing that you're eventually gonna upgrade to. To recap, the three pieces of tech that you need in order to send marketing emails are your domain, your professional email account where you receive emails and send them to individuals, and then the email marketing platform where you're gonna send broadcasts or emails to multiple people at once. A lot of yoga teachers, when they're first starting out, they just use their Gmail account and just blind carbon copy all of their students from their Gmail account. And I don't recommend this for several reasons. First of all, it does not comply with anti-spam legislation. 
because it doesn't provide a simple way for your customers or your recipients to unsubscribe just by clicking a link in the email. In order to get taken off your list, they have to reply to you. They have to ask you to take them off your list. Then you have to remember to do it and make sure that you do before you send out another email. So using an email marketing platform makes this all automated and simple and clean. So this is one place where it is really worth it to be legit as a business and invest $15 to $30 a month to keep your email marketing on the up and up. The next service that I recommend paying for, even though there is a free plan, is Canva. If you don't already use Canva, it's a template-based editing program where you can create graphics, slideshows, videos, and really a whole lot more. Any visual asset that you might need for your business, you can create it in Canva. If you have a business today, you are constantly having to create little social media posts, videos, slideshows, thumbnails, et cetera, et cetera. Canva is just the easiest and cheapest way to do that. And like I said, Canva does have a free plan, but you're much more limited in what you can do on the free plan. Here are some of the advantages of Canva Pro. You have a larger image library, magic resize, where you can take a design you've already created and change the dimensions, a background remover, a brand kit where you can upload your colors and your logos and your fonts and just have them easily accessible to you so you're not having to repeat the same work again and again to change fonts and change colors. You can also create folders and subfolders to keep all your designs a lot more organized using the pro plan. It's hard for me to even believe what an incredible bargain Canva is. It costs $13 a month if you pay monthly or $10 a month if you pay yearly. I am an affiliate for Canva, so if you appreciate the content I'm sharing for free on this podcast, please consider signing up for the pro version of Canva using my link in the show notes of this episode or the recommendations page on my website if you're planning to do it anyway. So what about a website? A website's one of the first things people think of when they consider a business startup expense. And I do have several in-depth episodes on the topic that I will link to in the show notes. In today's world, in today's world, if you're running a business, you do need some kind of web presence. And most of the time, that's going to be a website. I see businesses who try to get away with using just their social media platforms as their entire online presence. And personally, if I search for a business online and all I can find is a social media platform, there's no actual website, I lose trust. That's not to say that I wouldn't give them my business, but if I'm evaluating between different options, one has a website that gives me all the information I'm looking for, and the other just has a social media profile where I have to dig around and I might not be able to find the right information at all, I'm probably gonna go for the business with the website. Now, if your teaching's a hobby, and you're mostly just trying to repay your investment and not trying to make much of a profit, a website may not be the right investment for you, especially not in the beginning. Because building a website that is actually effective is a big project, requires a lot of thought, a lot of time. And if you're into teaching yoga and that's your thing, you don't want to spend all this time and energy building a website for your hobby unless you enjoy the actual website building process. But if that sounds like torture to you and you're teaching as a side hustle, then I think you can put it off, frankly. But for those of you who are working to create a business where you are making your living teaching and building credibility is important to you, then what I encourage you to do is start with a single page website that is 
way more doable than a multi-page site, and it will let you benefit from the web presence that you can then expand as needed. So start with a single page site. It's gonna be easier to create, easier to maintain, and not a big deal to expand when you realize that there's just too much on that one page. Now this is especially true if you have not done foundational business planning work that so many yoga teachers skip over. We are not taught this in teacher training. Most people don't have any idea if you've not been to business school, for example, or taken a business course, that there's certain things that you need to think through and plan out before starting a business. So if you haven't done that, then writing the words for your website is gonna feel really hard. It's just gonna feel so awkward and you're not gonna know what to say. So you wanna keep it simple in that case. And by the way, I do not recommend investing in a web designer when you're just starting out. After you have your business foundations in place and you're already seeing momentum in your business, you're seeing growth, then a website designer can help you amplify the impact of a message that's already working. But website designers cost multiple thousands of dollars, so it does not make sense to invest in a website designer until your business is established and making a profit. Instead, you'll use a visual template-based website builder like Squarespace or Wix. And don't worry too much about choosing the right one because if you're sticking with a one-page website, then changing services later on won't be that big a deal. Another investment that's related but could also be separate from your website is an online booking platform. Some of these do include a website, but usually you'll embed your booking platform into your website. And you can do that with any website service. I have an entire episode comparing and contrasting some of the most popular online booking platforms coming out really soon, so stay tuned for that. But if you plan to teach online and run your own classes, you probably do need an online booking service. They vary in price from free but like 10% of revenue up to like $100 or more per month. If you're just starting out, I recommend that you use one that's in the 10 to $20 a month range, unless it's an all-in-one platform like Offering Tree. Offering Tree will replace your email marketing platform, your website platform, and your booking platform. So you can expect to pay somewhere around $50 a month for Offering Tree. Again, I'll share so much more detail about this whole topic in an upcoming episode, so let's leave it there for now. For most yoga teachers who are just starting out, the big question mark on how profitable their business is is how much they end up spending on continuing education. And I think this is a good question to contemplate. When is it worthwhile to invest in continuing education? I do think when you first start teaching, I think you should give yourself six months to a year where you really just focus on what you're gonna learn by doing, by teaching. And then in your second year of teaching, second, third, fourth year, that's when it might make sense to take a lot of continuing education programs. Now you have this understanding, this lived understanding of where your gaps are that you developed by practicing your teaching, by teaching as much as you can. And over time, there does come a point where there's diminishing returns and you might be better off investing your money other places rather than always doing more continuing education, again, unless this is a hobby for you. If your goal is to just make enough 
to make your continuing education free and break even, totally valid. And you can do that for many years. As many years as you want to do that, you can do that. And at the point in time that you recognize, I want to make my living doing this, then you need to start asking this question of, at what point am I starting to get less benefit from taking all of these trainings? Most yoga teachers that I've talked to get to a point where they realize that each training they take, they already know 80 to 90% of it, where you're no longer overwhelmed and blown away by how much you're learning in a training. That is generally not a fault of the training. It means that you've reached a certain level of mastery where, again, you can focus back in on working with people and learning from doing. So once you do get to that point where you realize it might be time to shift from investing a ton in continuing education to learning more business skills, I would give yourself three to six months to really focus on that and maybe take a bigger and more structured business course to guide you through the process. Usually business courses like this are going to have a price tag of a few thousand dollars, kind of similar to the cost of a professionally designed website. And I do recommend that you invest in a business course before you hire a web designer, because a good business course is going to give you the foundations to be able to get better value from a web designer in the future. I think big business courses can be overkill and overwhelming to a lot of brand new teachers. So if you're at the stage of teaching where it's really nerve wracking and you feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on as I'm teaching, there's so much to think about and to learn and you just feel overwhelmed, I wouldn't add to that overwhelm by taking a business course, especially not a big one, because you don't wanna add pressure in a situation where you already feel a lot of pressure. If you do wanna expose yourself to learning about business in a more measured and pressure-free way, Another option would be to join my membership, the Impact Club, which provides ongoing education and a lot of support and accountability to teachers that are across the spectrum of experience levels, from brand new teachers all the way to teachers who've been teaching for several decades. It works really well because there are these layers of mentorship inside the community where we all learn from each other. And it's a way to learn business concepts more slowly and without pressure. So I will link to the Impact Club in the show notes. And speaking of learning about business and developing your business skills, what about coaching, specifically business coaching? Most business coaches charge a good chunk of money. Again, several thousands of dollars, sometimes $10,000. And it's really important to do the foundational work, to do this step-by-step, to build your business in layers so that you're ready for it and can actually benefit from investing this amount of money if you choose to do that at some point in your business. I do offer coaching myself, but I am consciously not making it the centerpiece of my business model or where most of my money comes from because I wanna be able to help yoga teachers who are not ready for that level of investment too. I think coaching can be so amazing, but it should never be undertaken from a place of feeling less than or like a coach is gonna save you. It should come from an empowered place of, wow, I've done so much on my own. I've seen so much growth on my own. Now I'm really excited and ready to have somebody help me see my blind spots and help me figure out where I can grow that I haven't been able to figure out on my own. 
Earlier this year, I did an episode on whether or not coaching is a good idea for new yoga teachers. And part of what I shared is that a coach can only meet you where you are in that moment and help you take the next steps in front of you. They can't wave a magic wand and just catapult you multiple steps forward. We really have to build our business, our careers, our lives in sequence. And that's why I recommend taking a business course and then working on integrating and implementing what you learn in that course before you sign up for one-on-one coaching. One-on-one coaching is most worth it, most worth the investment for very experienced yoga teachers who have honed their craft and kind of accidentally built a business that is working in terms of it's helping people and there's a lot of opportunities happening, but you might realize, I think I might be doing too much. I need to pull back. I need to figure out where to focus to learn how to work more efficiently. I need to understand where my blind spots are, but I don't have three to six months to invest in a course. I really need somebody to point out the low-hanging fruit for me, and I have the money to invest. So in a situation like this, a teacher might invest something like 10% of a year's revenue in coaching one time. I don't think that it would make sense to do that again and again and again. 10% one time as a sort of intensive period of making some big shifts and changes and then perhaps 2 to 3% of their yearly revenue for ongoing updates and maintenance. So business coaching can be really awesome, but you want to feel that you have done everything that you can do on your own before business coaching, that you've really set up your foundation the best you can before it makes sense to invest in business coaching. So those are the main things that I recommend investing in The first items I mentioned are the ones I recommend investing in from the beginning, LLC registration, accounting software, domain, custom email account, email marketing software, and probably Canva Pro. Whether or not to sign up for a booking platform or a website right away, that's really going to depend on your business model. And how much you invest in continuing education is up to you, and it is going to have a lot to do with how important profit is at that phase of your business. Many yoga teachers invest the bulk of their revenue back into continuing education for several years. And I think that's fine. It's nearly impossible to create a formula for how much you should invest in continuing education. I wish that I could provide more guidance on that, but I really can't. Now for the next phase, if you're transitioning into teaching full-time, I do recommend planning for a few thousand dollars in a business course, perhaps a few thousand dollars in a website, and depending on your specific situation and how things are going for you, perhaps a few thousand dollars in a business coach. So the total of what you should expect to be paying as a bare minimum to run a yoga business is about $50 to $100 a month. Again, that's bare minimum. And it might sound like a lot if you're not making any money yet, but it's super low compared to most other businesses. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of one private client per month. 
Once you're in the next phase and you are growing and you are seeing momentum and you're ready to shift gears into teaching yoga full-time, that's when you could consider investing somewhere between five and $10,000 in business courses, a professionally designed website, and perhaps some coaching. I think it's really important before you plan to invest that kind of money in your teaching business that you are at a point in your teaching where you feel really good and confident about what you have to offer. And once you're there, making that investment, if you're able, will help you to not only grow faster, but grow smarter to build a business that's more streamlined, more efficient, and more sustainable. As I was recording this episode, I tried for the most part, to stay away from recommending specific brands in the episode, because I would like for this to be useful, even if you're listening to it five or 10 years down the road. If you're curious about the specific companies that I recommend in each of these categories, I'll put a link in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click on the recommended tab on the top menu. Most of the links on that page are affiliate links. So if you enjoy the podcast, If you benefited from listening to this episode and you're planning to sign up for those services anyway, please consider signing up through one of those links. I hope this episode has been useful in helping you think through what you should and should not invest in at your current stage of business and teaching experience. I did my best to be thorough, but I'm sure that I have blind spots. So if any questions arise, you could leave me a voice message and I can answer you on a future episode. I'll put a link to that as well in the show notes. And if you go to my website, teachingyoga.net, there is a button on the side of the homepage that says, ask me a question. As always, thank you so much for listening. And thank you for caring enough to teach yoga. Whether it's a passionate side hustle or your full-time career, you are definitely making a difference in the world. 